I am going to uh, start at verse 1, but it's, it's just to put it in context, because uh, the focus uh, is uh, verse 7, husbands. Uh, so uh, to back up and put this in context, don't get nervous, ladies. Uh, it says, wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands. And I just want to establish again the idea that this is not the superiority of men over women. The, this is uh, establishing headship within the home that wives are to be in submission to their own husbands so that there's a singular leadership in the home. doesn't mean that uh, their opinion doesn't matter. doesn't mean they can't voice their opinion. doesn't mean that they shouldn't voice their opinion. They absolutely should. I mean, very often husbands are off the rails and need correction. Who are they going to receive that from? Wives is, is the best place for them to receive guidance. No, it doesn't sound right biblically. I've always heard women submit. Where we'll get to this. Uh, you know, wasn't good that man was alone in the garden, right? Finished creation. This is good. Finished creation. That's good. Everything's good till man is alone. Not good that man's alone, right? So take from his side, create the woman. Uh, you know, today, everybody's saying, get in touch with your feminine side. I did. I married her. She's right there, giving me the insight I need. Right? These are our counter counterparts. Okay. Now, now wait a minute. Counter in opposition to counterparts. Right? I say we should smash it over the head. She says uh, you should be more gracious and kind and thoughtful. <laughs> oh, okay. Counter. Heart. Okay, these things work together. Uh, this this whole mindset of woman, you know, be quiet. That uh, that that's ungodly, uh, right? Why was Eve created as a help meet? Help meet what? Chores list, shopping list. I don't think so, right? What was Adam's one role? One role when he was created to know God. That was it. No God. And God said, it's not good that he's alone. He needs to help me. Help me what? Help me God. Needs a wife in order to meet God. Uh, this person that God has put in our lives, if we have a spouse, is there to complete us. We're, we're fulfilled in the relationship. And as long as either party has that attitude of submit, right? Here, rewind this. Uh, submit to one another, the scripture says. To one another. Uh, th this is a binding together as a singular unit. Oh, don't misunderstand me, right? This isn't some whipped message of modern Christianity. Right? When the chips are down and I have to call the shots, I have to call the shots. I have to say, unfortunately, this is the direction we've got to go. This is what the Lord is calling us to do. I have to guide that way, right? Uh, you know, go back to some biblical examples. Abraham. I mean, where else do we start with the faith, right? The patriarch of the faith. Uh, hear me in this. Stay, stay with the concept here. Um, 
The plan's not coming together. God's promises are not being fulfilled. Massive amounts of time have passed. Where is this child that was supposed to be born? Right? Along comes the wife and says, you know what? God's promise isn't being fulfilled. We should take matters into our own hands. Why don't you be intimate with my handmaid? And the child that is born will be the fulfilled promise of God. Right? We all lean on the wrong answer button right at that moment. Right? Mm, wrong. Why? Well, how about this, man? Uh, the massive conflict between Islam and Israel it was born there. Ishmael and all of his descendants are the result of that. Right? Because he heeded the voice of his wife. That's specifically what the scripture says. Abraham heeded the voice of his wife and went in to Hagar and they were intimate, and a child was born, and we're still paying the consequence. And, and let's be clear, right? I don't mean that as some derogatory remark towards those nations. They're paying the consequence too, okay? The love of Christ that's in us needs to extend to them. Wouldn't it be wonderful to see them all come into the kingdom? All of them. Right? To know your Lord and Savior the same way you do. You know what it's like whenever you don't follow God's plan and you insert some compromise into your plan and you have to pay the consequences from that point out, right? Later, when it's time to get rid of Hagar and Ishmael, right? Who is the one that suggests that? It's actually Sarah again. And he, he listens to her. He goes to God and inquires of God about the circumstance, and God says, heed the voice of your wife. So, so here's the thing. In one setting, it's the completely wrong thing to do, heeding the voice of the wife. In the next setting, it's the only right answer, to heed the voice of the wife. He didn't even notice the problem. Sarah notices the problem and brings it to him, and he has to then hear from God and follow her leading and make the decision. For some men, that's like, oh no, that's unbiblical. Okay, here's the issue. She is your helpmeet, and you need to know when to heed and when to lead. That's what it comes down to. These dear women, these sisters, are put in our lives so that we can have a fulfilled relationship with God. And sometimes, when it seems like they're bugging out, they've got exactly the right answer in their mouth. And we need to listen to them. Now, within this, right, uh, it specifically says, uh, staying with this concept, and I really am getting to the guys. I'm setting the stage here, okay? Wives, be submissive to your own husbands that even if some do not obey the word, meaning, right, you're in fellowship with the Lord, you're hearing his word, you understand what he's saying, but he's not, even if he is not obeying the word, they, without a word, oh man, without a word, right? Because that's what we tend to fall to. And, and forgive me, forgive me for saying it this way, ladies, but I mean it, okay? Nagging. I mean, it's a rare thing that actually, that actually produces what you want it to, 
rare. Okay, what is going to produce it? Chaste conduct. Obedience to the Lord. Voice your opinion. You're off your rocker, and the direction you're he heading is bad. And I'm going to leave you alone with a bad decision and my Heavenly Father. That, that, that has a lot of impact. Okay, and I, and I do mean then leave it alone, that without a word. Right? Because our tendency is to try and fix it. And we follow around and everywhere we can, we put our plug in. I'm not just talking about you. I do the same thing. This is human tendency. We, we want to be very careful about this. And hear what Peter is admonishing us. Right Now, now keep in mind, we know who Peter's wife was. And she stayed with him in ministry all throughout his ministry. She traveled with him. She was there. I bet you, right, I bet you that when Peter wrote this, he sat down uh, with his wife, and they to, together developed what needed to be said here to couples, what needed to be said to husbands and wives. So when they observe your chaste conduct, accompanied by fear, not of them, not, not of the circumstances they're going to generate, Fear of the Lord, right? I'm not going to say anything here. I'm going to let you wander off into your stupidity, and you're probably going to drag us you know, all with you. So I'm just going to be silent and let you take the wheel, and you're going to have to deal with God and the consequences. And then the Lord will do the fear of the Lord. And then do not let your adornment be merely, and that's just merely outward, arranging of the hair, wearing gold, putting on fine apparel. Do all of those things, but make sure that's not the only thing that's beautiful about you. Let it be rather the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. And we talked about how some gals may be especially chatty. That's not what's being said. It's the idea of your presence generates peace. That, that, that when people walk away from encountering you, they're fulfilled, they're built up, they receive. Uh, that's the spirit that, that our sisters should be of, one that is uh, fruitful and edifying, that it brings peace uh, to the person, uh, the gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner of the former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves outwardly, but more significantly, inwardly, they adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. Uh, that bothers you, maybe? Lord, you know, you know, master, you know, sir. You know, it is a yes, sir. Head of household, recognizing, honoring, is, is what men are in need of. Okay, jump right down to verse 7, right? Husbands, likewise dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers may not be hindered. Dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife. You know, the Lord wants us to honor our wives. So, so this love, this unconditional love, this honor that he's talking about, the things that we're being encouraged to do as husbands fulfill the greatest need of the wife, which is to be loved, right? 
Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. Oh, we, we know these things from the Scripture. Greatest need of the husband is to be respected. To be respected. If a husband is not respected, right? You can respect him, respect him, respect him, respect him, dishonor him, disrespect him, and you nullify all of the respect you've given previously. No? Okay, ladies, how about this? Uh, he loves you, he loves you, he does for you, he is for you, he fulfills you, he demonstrates he does not love you once. It erases everything that happened previously. If you can understand that, then, then you must understand. How about this? Wives are never once told to love their husbands unconditionally. How about that? It is not listed in the scripture. They are commanded to respect their husbands. Husbands are commanded to love their wives unconditionally. Why? Because the greatest need of the wife is to be loved unconditionally. It, it, it drains right out of you. I talked about that last week. We can do everything, everything. To, to love you. We, we demonstrate it. We say it. We give the gifts. We, we fix the faucet. We do all the stuff. But that one time that you need us to love you, we just sort of grunt and turn our back as though you're meaningless. And your world crashes to the ground. And, and you know... You carry that on your shirt sleeve like we just ran you through with a dagger. And, and when we finally get to the conversation, you're saying like, well, I'm just not convinced you love me. Are you kidding? I, I have spent years and hours, countless hours, and unbelievable sums of money convincing you that I love you in this one little moment right here where I didn't even know I was stabbing you. Drained all of that right away. Okay, now flip the thing over. Respect, 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 respect. That one moment where you snapped back right in front of a bunch of people, yanked the carpet out from underneath the husband, showed disrespect. Yeah, respect a gajillion other ways. That one moment leaves that husband feeling like I am never respected. Unconditional respect, unconditional love. So then we do this weird thing, right? Well, I'd love her unconditionally if she respected me unconditionally. I'd respect him unconditionally if he loved me unconditionally. Guess what? You're both human. You're both sinful. And you're both going to fail. You're not going to respect him unconditionally He's not going to love you unconditionally. The standard is being set at Jesus. And we all need to shoot for that standard. We need to, we need to stretch and reach and strive for that standard. The thing that will fill in all the gaps is God's grace. Right? If she isn't always respectful, get over it. Get over it. Is she still with you? 
then she's been incredibly respectful. Because she, you don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. Right? Is he still with you? Right? And and please don't please don't let me injure injure you. Right? Give him a pass. Because he's not always gonna love you the way he should. Why? Because he's sinful. He's not Jesus. Okay, and again, we can't write this down and go home and say, Don't hold it against me. Will said, I get to be a jerk. That's not how this goes. Okay? We, we each need to strive for every ounce that we're worth to be the fulfillment that Christ wants. Has Jesus ever let you down? I mean, come on. Not even remotely. In either regard, right? In respecting you. Male or female. Husband or wife. In respecting you. Christ should have kicked sand in our face slammed the door in our face, thrown us to the curb over and over and over again. And all you ever hear from him is, my child, my beloved, right? Always grace, love, unconditional love, constantly. You know, the grace of God needs to be the thing that pours out of both of these remarks. You know, some look at this and go, well, good Lord, six verses for the ladies, one verse for the men. Yeah, because that's how stupid we are. Right? You you guys can handle, you know, lengthy discussion and explanation. Probably Peter's wife was like, no, just simplify it. Get it right down. It's got to be short and sweet. That's the only thing, Right? Because we oh we'll take six eight you know chapter and go yeah I'll digest that and what do we do we boil it down to one point every time it's the way men function uh, ladies here let's look at seven in a little more detail husbands likewise just like the ladies men we have to take this thing apart and see for ourselves what the Lord is asking of us. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding. With understanding. Now, I, I, I just have to say that you ladies are impossible to understand. From a man's point of view, just that, you know, that whole thing I described moments ago about how I can do everything in the world. I can, I can be one half of a second away from just pouring every ounce of myself out to convince her that I loved her and I do one thing wrong and and now she's saying, you know, I really don't know if you love me. I That makes no sense to me at all. Not at all. But I have lived with her long enough to know oh, that's how she is. Okay, now, now, guys, is there not a whole bunch, and I mean a whole bunch about her that you absolutely love? That's incredible. Just so fulfilling, so deep, so awesome. Yes. Okay. Well, all of that stuff you love and appreciate and understand also has a big portion you're never going to understand. So you've got to take the whole thing. You can't uh, start saying, well, you know, and I hear this and I confront men. They're like, you know, why can't they be more like us? You know? 
just, you know, more rational, more cognitive, just simple, straightforward, black and white. You know, that's how I want my gal to be. To which I say, well, you really don't want a female. You really want a male. Which is a very serious problem. Because if you appreciate all the rest that is female, then you get to get the rest that is female. You have to take the whole package. They will not make sense. You know, you, you'll say, do things. I've heard this expressed by others. I've experienced it. Driving home, ministry, super late, you know, no time to put any. I call up Lori and say, hey, headed home and, uh, you know, going to stop and get us something to eat. What do you want? I don't know. Well, do you want just like fast food? I can't. No, I can't do fast food. You want me to get, uh, you know, I don't know what. How about something from Oriental? No, I don't. Should I stop and get, you know, what, Helen's got? No, no. Well, how about that fish you like from Pat's? Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, yeah, get me that. Right, you know. So bring that home, you know. And then, you know, next night, a couple nights later, similar thing, call her up, go through the same thing, and I, I'm just going to stop off and, you know, get something. We got Pat. I'll go to Helen's tonight. She'll go, no, no, you decided last time. When I asked you 40 questions and you finally said, Pats, that was, that was me deciding. Th this is how their brain works. You know, you're probably thinking of something different, but similarly confusing, man, with understanding. You have to study these creatures and come to know them, right? Read their mood. Uh, Proverbs says that the Lord, when we are close to him, when we are in a relationship with him, when we are truly his children, will be capable of guiding us with his eyes. With his eyes. How strange. And there's all kinds of explanation. It comes right down to this. We can be somewhere, right? Reflective intimacy, husbands, wives. We can be somewhere. Something's going on. I look over my wife and my wife does like, I know something's up. She just gave me the high sign with her eyes, to which I now need to pay attention. I don't even know what is what yet. And before it's done, she's like, you know, she's telling me situation's gone south, time to get your coat, we got to leave. She hasn't said a word. Right? There's a communication with understanding. You need to get to know these people. We, we were invited some years ago. Lori and I have been together 32 years, if you can believe that. So um, we were invited, uh, uh, married for 31 of those years. Uh, 32 years we've been together. So um, we were invited uh, to some friend's house, uh, birthday celebration. In the midst of it, uh, they had this game uh, where they go through this process of put all the men out of the room, ask the ladies a whole series of questions and they have to write down on their card the answers. These questions are about the husband. Ask the ladies questions, write down the answer about the husband. And then all the women in the room, bring the men in the room and ask the men similar questions, not the same. Ask the men all these questions about their husband and you have to write down your answer and you turn them in. And then what they do is they review the answers from both sides 
to see who knows the most about their husband and wife. Lori and I won. We answered every single one of the answers correctly. According to what was, nobody, nobody else even got half of them. And these are all Christian brothers and sisters. We, we have studied one another. We know one another. I can read that woman. I can see. I can hear. You know, two days ago, we're in the kitchen. I'm passing through, and uh, I ask her a question, and she answers, and I say, oh, that's not true. And she says, yes, it is. And I say, no, it's not. I'm not being harsh. I'm, I'm just wanting to help her. And I say, hey, I asked you this question, and your tone did not match the words that came out of your mouth. And she says, well, you know, I, I, I don't exactly feel that way. That's not exactly where I'm at. And I said, no. It's not where you are at at all. And I added a little bit of insight to what I understood now that I've asked her and said, so where are you really at with the question? And she ends up making the full confession, and it's exactly what I had assessed. I had said it to her. The nuance, right? I I know how she wants her coffee. I know the temperature she wants in the room. I can tell if a conversation is making her comfortable or uncomfortable. Read her like a book through and through. Sometimes I ignore what's written. Sometimes for sinful wrong reasons. Sometimes for good reasons. But I I do dwell with this woman with understanding. And men, we need to do that. We need to. Notice Nothing is said to wives along those lines. You must do that. You you must be careful enough to study these dear people, to come to a very, and also I'll tell you this, the depth to which I know my wife also helps me understand all of my sisters a bunch better. Not entirely, but it, it does help me a bunch better. That, that woman is helping me meet a lot of things in life. Listen, if, if, if men take the approach in reading this passage of all I heard was wives submit. Okay, listen. Number one, you're completely off base. Number two, you don't understand how much you're ripping yourself off. You can deeply enrich, deeply enrich your life by having a profound sense of respect and does that, look, you're still going to be the cold-hearted, black-and-white, callous jerk you were before you started. But with Jesus' help, you can actually be much more appealing, much more soft, much more helpful, much more fulfilling in this relationship. I don't mean just being some, you know, I don't know, slave to her, though we should be. If Jesus was a servant to the church, right? Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. I love Joe Foch's assessment of that. When he said, loving your wife as Christ loves the church means you enter her world and die there. Wow. Oh, that stinks. 
you know, because her world is dishes and kids and uh, not, a world I want nothing to do with. Right? Why? Because I have to die to myself to get into that world. This is what Christ did. This is what Christ did. Are you kidding? He emptied Himself of everything that He was and became like us. Become like her? Enter her environment? Do as she does? Think about the limitations He put upon Himself. Crazy limitations that He entered into. Even to the point where He had to say, I don't know when I'm coming back. The Father knows that. I don't know. What? How could you not know your own plan? He purposely emptied himself. Isn't that what Philippians tells us, right? He emptied himself. You've got to empty yourself. You've got to take up your cross and die daily. Entering into that environment. It's, it's significant and it's deeply fulfilling. Now, in 7, this giving honor to the wife. Oh, hey, look, if respect is what we need, tell me, ladies, you don't need respect. Giving honor. I, I have witnessed my wife give birth to three children. The most profound people in my life. Wife, three daughters. Right? That alone, that alone demands that I have a profound respect for that woman and what she went through to give me the four most fulfilling relationships in my life. Remarkable experience. Then add to it, as I said, all of the junk that she has put up with. Then add to that everything she does. My goodness. Uh, needed respect. Ladies, is it not the disrespect and the dishonor that you have experienced from the men of this world your entire lives that causes you to be so on guard even in your marriage? Christ is, is encouraging us, brothers, to elevate these people. Elevate them to an equal status with yourself. You say equal status. It says right here, as the weaker vessel. Oh, see, that's where the abuse comes into the church so frequently. She's lesser, right? They take even, even the interpretation in certain Bibles that says inferior. And they, and they heap that upon the women in the church. Okay, again. Weaker vessel. Let's talk about that for a moment. Uh, I, I've got, uh, I worked, when I first met Lori, I worked in Timoleon's Diner in Keene, New Hampshire. And, and that's like in the, I, I had a job there. I just got a job there. And, and I met Lori like two days later. And we developed our first level of friendship and relationship when I was working there. Timoleons in Key New Hampshire is like, it's really special. It's a, it's a, you know, mom and pops outfit. It's, I mean, you're not like, don't go to Keene with your, you know, 
bar said extraordinarily high. It's good stuff, but it's the memory. Well, I, you know, we were down there last year, and we had we usually go out to lunch or breakfast there, and I, I got the mug, right, Tamoleons, you know, because it means something. Well, it's your classic diner mug. It's big, old, thick, hearty, giant, you know, throw it on the floor a couple times, bounce it, play hockey with it. It's just, it's solid, right? You know, on the other hand, my wife has these crystal glasses, that we don't even use like for holidays, you know, it, it'd have to be, you know, there's been two or three times that I can remember where in our entire marriage, those things have come out and been used extraordinarily. So, so fragile, right? So valuable, so expensive, you know, we've looked, try and find a replacement today. You cannot find these things. You know, you'd be scouring, you know, the antique stores to, you know, come up with something that was close very, very fragile. That's what we're talking about here. Weaker vessel compared to burly, thick coffee mug. Light, china, glass, flute glass, fragile, weak, right? You know, you could, you could like, just throw nuts and bolts in the coffee mug and just jam a pen in and just use it as a, you know, paperweight and know it, keep a door open with it. Can't do that with the China flu glass. Fragile. This is, you know, why you can look at your brother and say, man, you look terrible. And he'd be like, I know. Yeah. I've been feeling well and fell down the stairs. <laughs> Got in a car accident and wrecked. I, don't, I just feel awful. You say that to a sister and watch her die right in front of you. Right? I don't care if she's incredibly sick and fell down the stairs and got in a car accident on the way to church. You walk up to her and say, man, you look terrible. She's going to be on suicide hotline in the next five minutes, man. I mean, just you cannot say these things. More weaker vessel, weaker vessel. It implies, you guys, in the Greek language, it implies more fragile of much higher value. Of much higher value. I, I know so many men that try to use their wife like she's, you know, a stainless steel salad bowl or something. Just change the oil in it, serve salad, you know, I don't know. Just, like I said, feed the dog out of it. Just misused, inappropriate, not correct, in fact, sinful. Right? Weaker vessel. Fragile, worthy of honor. Okay, I, I use all these illustrations. Forgive me. Um, when I had to have been younger than four years old, my father died when I was four. He was killed in a heavy equipment accident at work, and I remember. I distinctly remember this moment. We were living on Jackson Street in Essex Junction, Vermont. And uh, at 
I, I like I said, I had to have been younger than four. I realized this man has a coffee cup in his hand all the time. All the time. So whatever's in that cup must be very enjoyable. So if my dad really likes coffee, coffee must be awesome. And I want coffee. So I start this big debate. This is one of the few memories I have. I start this big debate with him. Imagine the four-year-old standing in front of the man. And I'm saying, no, I want the coffee. And he's saying, you're not going to like the coffee. And I remember the thought process of almost like you're lying to me. Because you drink it all the time. So surely it must be fantastic. So after much debate, dad with four-year-old, he finally says, let's make you some coffee. He goes to great efforts, gets a little tiny cup out, puts coffee in, you know, lots of cream, lots of sugar, Stir this all up. He's got his coffee. I got my coffee. We sit down. I take a big slug off that. And I know the man is insane. Because this tastes horrible. And now we have a big debate about, you've done something to mine. So we do the swap. And I try his, and it's way worse. And back and forth and back and forth. Well, here's the thing. I very distinctly remember the coffee cups as a result of that. And in my adult life, I'm at my mother's house and I see the coffee cup in her cabinet. And I say, no way. These are my dad's coffee cups. And she's like, yeah. He bought those himself, white Corel coffee cups. And he said, uh, she said, I'll, you know, I'll give you one. So I got my dad's one white Corel coffee cup because I have two older brothers and they each got a coffee cup. And interestingly enough, the fourth one in the set of four got broken. It's really valuable to me. And it stays in a cabinet and it does not get used. I've taken it out when I feel especially nostalgic and I'll brew myself a cup of coffee and I clean it and I wash it and I dry it and I put it back when I'm done. It stays there. And here's, here's an even more nostalgic thing about this. And, and forgive me because there's a real point here. <clears throat> My oldest brother became a sort of father figure to me when my dad passed away. Sometimes a good one, sometimes a terrible one, but he was a mentor to me. And a number of years ago now, Jeff passed away from cancer. And his wife gave me his coffee cup. So I've got those two coffee cups together there. 
and they have they have a place of honor that is protected and shrouded in my life. They're no big deal. I've looked for replacements, you know, Ben, right, to Corning in New York, and you can't find that version of the Corel mug. I may find some someday, and I'll buy them all. The point is, when the Lord is saying weaker vessel, right, weaker vessel, right, worthy of honor, if I've got that much respect for something that's, you know, an inanimate object, how much do- more a daughter of my heavenly Father that He's given to me and asked this poor, dear woman to submit to me? That's crazy. That's crazy to consider. And I look back and you guys, the, the reason I can share with such detail about this is because like in everything else in my life, I've learned how to do it right by doing it wrong. That's how I've learned it. It, it wasn't because I read the manual and said, oh, there, brilliant. <laughs> right? I had to grind the thing to powder over and over again in order to finally get to the place where we had fixed and repaired everything that needed to be and we let the Lord work. We let the Lord do what he had said. Uh, I got to tell you, hopefully with the right amount of humility, that it's still that woman's grace that I function under to this day. Ask her to obey the word of God. Submit to my leadership as together we follow the Lord. But I've also learned, I've also learned, men, to shut my mouth and listen. Listen. I may at the end have to say, I've got to override that. But I hear her out first. Take it all in. Right? Lyndon B. Johnson said, Do you want a successful marriage? Let your wife think she's right. And when she's wrong, let her be right. Grace, submission, right? Just, just if we put up with one another, then we get along. It's when, right? If I'm acting like, you know, woman, submit. Uh, if I'm acting like that, I wish I wish I could say I never did. I have. If we act like that, why in the world would they ever feel comfortable doing so? Why would we expect them to feel comfortable doing so? The place where this is going to really work out is, hear me in this, if it feels like I've concluded the message, the place where this is really going to work out, men, is if you are submitted to Jesus Christ. And and let's let's be honest, right? That's touch and go, isn't it? That's moment to moment. 
If we're not submitted to Jesus Christ, then why in the world would they submit to us? No, no, not even just out of rebellion, right? If we're blind, foolish, dangerous in the flesh, and Jesus is behind the wheel one moment, and then we've kicked him out of the driver's seat, and blind and foolish and dangerous, we're now behind the wheel again? She'd probably be wise to be jumping out right about there. Leave you alone with your insanity and your blindness and your foolishness. And it has to be, it has to be that we wake up every single morning, men, and we recognize the wretch that we are, and we beg Christ to take over. You know, we say devotions. I'm going to get up in the morning and have my devotions. You know, how many of us have turned that into nothing more than checking the box? I got up and I read my Bible. Check. You know? And I got my prayer list out and I read down through that. I told God all the junk he needed to hear. Check. You know? And then I made breakfast. Check. And then I had a shower. Check. And then I just check and check. And now you're at work. Did, did you really get up and your flesh was alive and well? And you got the hammer and spike out. And you started crucifying yourself. Because if you start there, and this dear woman, this sister that's being asked to submit to you, can see you're crucified today. Then it's easier for her to crucify her flesh and to follow your example. If we're if we're starting this out, you know, and our favorite verse each morning is, you know, chapter three, verse one. <laughs> Submit. Oh yeah, that inspires submission. Truly. Just makes people want to fall down and follow. Yeah, but they can they can be totally in the flesh. Completely rebellious, out of their mind, like like we can get. But they're in their moment, and if they look over and see you are submitted to Christ, and you are actively in the moment crucifying yourself to your flesh, if they can see they're pushing every one of your buttons and none of them's going off, they've been disconnected. The flesh is not active. If they can see that, oh, it's much easier, right, ladies? It's much easier to submit to a man who's submitted to your Heavenly Father. Much easier to submit to a man's leadership who himself is crucified to the flesh. This is taken so out of context by pastors who just want to insist to all the women in the church, you're inferior, you're weaker, so submit. No, no, no. No. That's grossly out of context. And, and it's completely ineffective. Ineffective. We need to be men and women who are submitted to one another and we're seeking Christ in our conduct. Read it again. Likewise, likewise, right? Husbands, likewise. Oh, if you just heard it given to the wives, then men, apply it to yourself. Husbands, likewise, 
Dwell with him with understanding. We've been over it. Giving honor to the wife. Place of respect. You need respect. She needs respect. Giving honor to the wife as the weaker vessel. More valuable, highly valuable, and way more fragile. You need to protect and preserve you know, the weaker vessel as being heirs together. Heirs together. The inheritance, right, is equal. The inheritance is equal. He doesn't get a bigger portion. You don't get a bigger portion. Equal heirs. Heirs together of the grace of life. The, the grace of life. Uh, rather than the sentence of death. Right? You have been given life. Eternal life in eternity, but you've given life now. Where you were functioning previous to Christ was in death. That's why life was a wreck and a ruin. Because without Christ, all there was was death. You have experienced God's grace. That's what brought you into the kingdom. Now, as you're in this relationship with this dear woman, Understand that she's been given the same grace, which has resulted in the same life as you. So fulfilled, heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Oh, think about that. That your prayers would not be hindered, right? I have three daughters. If any one of my sons-in-law were to abuse my daughters, my good feelings of relationship are over. We may be able to fix that relationship, but presently, don't just come and ask me for anything as though everything were just fine. Because I'm only going to be discussing one subject. And that's how you've treated my daughter. That's it. And this this is from your heavenly Father. Your prayers be not hindered. Right? Oh, Father God, I'm deeply in need of... Yeah, I'm not talking to you about that. I got one thing I want to talk to you about. That's how you're treating my daughter. Yeah, but I really need... So what? How are you treating my daughter? But in my ministry, and it's so important, and all these other people, and eternity and life and death, shut up. Your prayers will be hindered, right? Stopped. He's only going to be discussing one thing, men, if this is how we treat these dear women. And that's your repentance. And that's it. Ladies, is that a comfort? To you to understand that your heavenly father, hear me in this, right? When he said, submit to you, right? He said, without fear, right? Knowing your heavenly father has your back. Don't ever look over and think, this knucklehead just keeps getting away with it. No, he's not. No, he's not. The Lord is perfectly aware 
You think he's ever going to act like, oh, I didn't notice. You're a complete jerk to my daughter. Totally self-centered. You even used this verse up here and demanded that she submit to you, ran your mouth, told her to shut her mouth, and that you were in charge? Really? The Lord is saying your prayers are shut down. Uh, think about this, you guys. Think about how different a message this is from God's Word than what so many preachers deliver. It's completely different. Look, being gracious, being kind, honoring them, listening to them, knowing when to heed, knowing when to lead these dear women, that's actually a very selfish program, men. Because, because you're giving yourself clear access to God when you do that. He will hear you. He will answer you. He will respond to you. If you aren't doing those things, you're the one that's cutting the line off. You're, you're the one that's severing the connection. The Lord wants to fulfill everybody in this program. Everybody. How about this? Right. Most of us know the scripture goes through these different things, and then it, it talks to the children of the home. Right? Children obey. Your parents, it says obey them in the Lord. Uh, we, we get the impression that, you know, that's saying like your kids and you got no voice in this. So just always obey your parents. No, he's saying obey your parents that are in the Lord. Right? Because if dad shows up and says, I got a new plan. I've been hoping this job was going to work out and I was going to get a raise and a better position and more money, but it's become clear that's not going to happen. So we're going to start manufacturing crystal meth in the basement. No, Dad, we're not. In fact, I'm going to call the cops. Not called to submit to parents that aren't in the... I'm using that as a blatant example. Okay. Children are not called to submit to parents in all cases. The Lord here, even in this picture, is showing us, look, this, this requires that everybody in the program is in submission to me. None of this works if they're not. None of it, none of, none of it works in any way. Men, again, I'll say to us, right, I said last week, I promised I would beat the men up good tonight. The Lord needs to do that, right? If you're wanting the marriage to be better, if you're wanting things, why can't this be fulfilled? Why always the struggle? If you want that that way, that starts with you. It doesn't start with her. It starts with you. When we are in submission to Christ, these things come into place in our homes, in our families, in our marriages. If you're seeing problems with her, in her, in her function, the way she behaves, all this different stuff, stop looking there. Start examining yourself. Look to your own person. It's almost guaranteed that what you're going to discover is you're not in submission to Christ. You, you knew it all along, but you didn't realize it was affecting you this way. You're setting the tone. You're the one that controls the spiritual thermostat in your house. You know, it's freezing cold in this relationship. 
Yeah. Really? You know, <laughs> have you warmed your relationship with Christ? How hot is that? How, how, how on fire is your relationship with the Lord? You know. This marriage is like living in hell. Really? <laughs> really? You, you may have set the thermostat in the wrong place then. You know, you set your thermostat to job rather than Christ. Right? Hobby rather than wife. <laughs> so many people do this, don't even recognize. We have to start in our relationship with Christ personally. It's so much better to just examine yourself. Look at your own heart. Right? How many times have you guys heard me say, you'll never change another human being? Right? You can't do it. You can't. If you think you can, come talk to me. I tried. <laughs> like I said, I know these things from failure. I'm not just talking about my wife. You know, there was a time where I was going to change everybody. I have not changed one single person ever. Ever. I have watched as Christ has changed people. That's a beautiful thing. That's awesome. I have never accomplished it myself. And I guarantee you, based upon what I see in the Word of God and what I've seen from all the other people in life, you will never change another person. You may be used by the Lord to deliver the message that they apply to themselves to see the Lord change their life, but it's going to be between them and the Lord. The one person you can change is you. You can change yourself and you do that only, you do that only in your relationship with the Lord. As you submit to Christ personally, you know, maybe as I'm saying this, there's one issue that's sticking in your mind right now. You know, you've, you've viewed it as the inconquerable. You've thrown yourself at the walls of that fortress many times in life. And you've been defeated every single time. Okay? They conquered Jericho, right? They failed on the next try, didn't they? Why? Because one man was selfish. How about that? He took what belonged to the Lord. Took what belonged to the Lord. Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Render to God the things that are God's. Whose image is on this coin? Right? Caesar. Whose image is on you? You were made in the image of God. Give Give back, is what Jesus said, to Caesar what Caesar gave to you, his money. Give back to God what belongs to God, yourself. You give yourself to the Lord. Did you take it from him? Right? Other things got conquered, right? That's right. I'm not getting bombed on alcohol. I'm not committing adultery. Not using drugs. I don't punch people in the face anymore. 
you got a little list there. Yeah, but how about how about how about your person and your daily walk and you know, as I said, devotions. Is it truly are you truly devoted? Are are you crucifying yourself daily and living for Christ or are you living for yourself? If if you want to see that fortress fall, that's the only way it happens. That's the only way it happens is when you give back to the Lord that which belongs to the Lord, which is it's everything. It's your whole person. And as you change, you'll turn around and you'll realize that person you live with is not the monster you thought they were. Not that Lori's ever been a monster. Right? Our lens gets out of focus, doesn't it? And things look hideous, don't they? Right? When the light in your eye has become darkness, how great is that darkness? It's all consuming. Everything goes black. Uh, when our focus is not on the illumination of Christ, when that light is not filling your eye and giving you the vision you're supposed to have, you'll view everything wrong. This submission right here, husbands, it doesn't start with the wife's submission. It starts with our submission. And then everything locks into place. Start by submitting to Christ. Amen? Amen. Well, one verse, was that enough for this evening? Why don't we stand and we'll pray and we'll pick up at verse 8 next week. It was more than one verse. A simple subject that is so deep, so complex. Father, help us to be men and women that are submitted to you. Lord, we have to admit, it's not easy for us. We're selfish. We're sinful. Fulfill us with the strength of your Holy Spirit. Help us to submit to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.